Judy, uh, it's quite amazing. I have some things to share this morning. I could go a whole different way. Just that's just the prophetic nature inside of me, and I. But you know what? Judy said something. She's taken two two ordinary people and sent us around the world. You, you may not be called to be sent around the world, but God called you, put His power and put His presence on you, and it's. And there's something very significant about the time that you're living in right now. And for all of us, it's something very, very special about the time that we're living in. And I, I can remember when, when uh, we first got married, uh, Judy had all the kids in the street in her home telling a Bible story before they went to school. And uh, she'd pray for them, the power of God, but you'd have the kids lying on the ground and they'd all want to stay on the ground and go to school. She had to kick them out to go to school. These kids all got saved. And I remember being in somewhere in the North Island here somewhere. I can't remember where it was. And this beautiful young lady came up and gave me a kiss on the cheek and said, would you give that to Judy and thank her for leading me to Jesus when I was five years old? She was about to marry a young pastor. I said, no, I won't. You give me another one, I'll give that to her. <laughs> I'm more than a pretty face. Today that... That was one of the neighbors that Judy led to the Lord. On the other side, we had a couple who would never talk to us. They were, he was a share. I, at that time, I had a logging business. We'd both go to work early in the morning. And she'd be abusing him out the door, and Judy would be calling me all sweet nothings as I left. And this, this particular day where had Secular friends in our home. Our neighbor, I can't remember how many years they'd been living there, rushed. She, I, we don't even remember her knocking on the door. Ran through the door, and the first words out of her mouth we ever heard were, When's church? I can't stand it anymore. <laughs> Those are the first words we ever heard out of her mouth, having lived beside us for I don't know how many number of years. And she came, of course, we told her, and she came to church that next Sunday morning with her daughter and gave her heart to Jesus. And that night her husband came with his son, and they gave the heart to the Lord. So both her neighbors got saved, plus all the kids in the street. Because of Judy, just Judy being a mum, just being a, a loving person. And uh, I can remember when they asked me to take my first church. I'd been a very loyal boy in the local church. I... My father taught me to be loyal, I was a hard worker. If you saw a job, you did it. And so I was committed to being the first there, clean, make sure the toilets were clean, turn the lights on, and when I left, I was the last to leave because I turned the lights out. My peers used to call me the pastor's pet. I could never understand it, but the only reason I saw that because they thought I was kind of kidding up to the pastor, but I was just serving like I knew how to serve. And I remember standing in the shed uh, one day and saying, realizing that I was, a, I was a servant, but something was not connecting on the inside of me. I want you to hear what I'm saying here because it's very important you understand because I love church and I, and I, love, the, I love all that happens in the house of God. But my heart was dry. I remember saying to God, God, I'm a mess on the inside, even though I've been serving for 10 years of my Christian life and was seen as the pastor's pet inside it was not connecting 
And I remember saying to God, God, I'm a mess, but I'm too good for hell. You've got to have me. <laughs> Those words came out of my heart very sincerely. I said, from today on, all I'm going to do, Lord, is I'm going to encourage people. So I took on it because I, I was, up to that point, I've lived on a sheep station talking to sheep, horses, and dogs. That doesn't help your communication skills, talking to sheep, horses, and dogs. I used to come to town, I used to come to Invercargill about once every three months. So I was, I was so shy, Judy had to propose to me. <laughs> That's another story. But it's true. I didn't realise that, that she was my best friend at that time, but I, thought, I never ever thought that maybe we could get married. You know, that wasn't, I wasn't even in the equation. But, but there was this life that I was living that seemed like, it was, like I was going nowhere. But I remember walking out of that shed that day and saying, from now on, all I'm going to do is encourage people. And I just find something to say to every person ever met. I just love you lead me in worship this morning. It was awesome. You didn't tell me about this one. I love you. You're awesome, you too. I'd find something to say to every person. I'd say, I'd like your glasses. I'd like your haircut. I'd like, I'd like, I'd just find some comment. And, that, and then who knows that when you show yourself friendly, stay with me, I'm taking on a journey here this morning. When you show yourself friendly, you build friends. And, that, and after a while, people come and say, they come and ask me something. I say, oh, I don't know. Go and talk to your pastor. But I just think you're a beautiful person. I had no idea how to create conversation. But, I, but then what happened is the more that I began to realize as I built friends and began to build relationship, they began to trust me and they wanted to find out what I thought on the inside. And, and I was reluctant because I really didn't know what to say. But suddenly my spirit started to come alive and I started to get to have a sense on the inside that, that maybe this is the answer. So I didn't say... Well, this is what the answer is. I'd say, well, have you thought of this? And I'd speak what was in my, mar in my, in my heart, and it would be the answer. And so what I began to learn was that there was words of knowledge locked up on the inside of me. There was, there was information inside that was coming from my spirit, which was a word of knowledge. And again, it wasn't because I was kind of deep and meaningful going looking for words of knowledge. It was because I, began, because I realized that I loved people and God loved people. And he wanted to help people, and God wants to use people to help people. I'm sorry, it's so simple. And so I began this whole journey of, I had no idea that, that God would ever call me to pastor a church. Next thing, my pastor went to Queenstown, New Zealand, and died, he died, and died suddenly. He had about 40 or 50 people. He died suddenly, and now they had this huge group of people had no pastor. And so the the leaders in my church said, well, well Ferg's probably the only guy we've got. He's got a similar heart as, 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 as the pastor. That. And so they asked me, I had a logging business. Well, I was at the stage then that my foreman could have carried it. So I said, okay, well, I'll have a go. I, I prayed, I used to walk day after day praying, God, do I do it or do I don't do it? I had no word from God, but I had this peace. Well, maybe, you know, we'll see what happens. I had they're taking me to church and the guy the regional area said can you preach I said I don't know that's freaky 
for somebody who's put in, put in charge to find a pastor for the church, and they found me that couldn't preach. Well, I didn't know I could. The first meeting, <laughs> the, first, the introduction, my regional area manager guy said to me when I said I couldn't preach, he said, oh, he freaked out. He said, well, look, I'll tell you, I'll preach a little bit, and then I'll hand you the microphone. So he handed me the microphone, and when I started to speak, I felt this presence come over me. Somehow or other, it made sense, even as I was saying, I thought, wow, this is different. When I finished, and we, as we were going home, he said, I thought you said you couldn't preach. I said, I didn't know I could. The next Sunday was our first Sunday meet. I'm, telling, I'm, I'm taking on a journey, please bear with me. <laughs> the first service, we had about 40 people in the meeting, and uh, I could only preach for 20 minutes. In the middle of my 20 minutes preach, a little Scotsman ran out of the car park, came and stood in front of me and said, the doctor sent me here. You've got to pray for me. I'm dying. The doctor told me I'm dying. I've got liver damage. I've got brain damage. I'm an alcoholic. And he says, the only people who can help me is, is you people. The doctor sent him here. So in the middle of my 20-minute preach, this was about 1977, I stopped and prayed for him. You've got to remember, 1977, there was not a lot of evidence of power. The guy fell on the floor. That's enough to freak me out. Everyone's gone home, and Judy and I are standing in this meeting, waiting on this guy to, to sit up and go home. Finally, he got off his feet and said, I'm healed. I said, well, I don't know. You'll have to go and talk to the doctor about that. I don't know. He came back two weeks later, this is my first meeting, saying that the doctor, with a letter from the doctor saying that he was completely set free. That was my first meeting. Now, this is a guy that's a logger. Haven't got a clue how to preach, haven't got a clue how to do anything. But I'll tell you, when the presence of God comes on, you can do anything. Amen. Stay with me. The next meeting, the following week, there's 40 people and there was two sections of 10 people in the front row. I walked past the front row. I wasn't there. I just walked past like this. And when I got in, they all fell over. This is my second meeting. I walked past the second row and they all fell over. But that time I'm freaking out. 1976. I was scared spitless. What was, what was going on? Anyway, we got through that day. I think it was, actually, I think it was the third week that a woman in a red coat, all I remember is a woman in a red coat, come running up the, anyone got a red coat here today? Oh, I feel safe, it's okay. <laughs> a woman in a red coat came flying up the aisle and football tackled me, round the ankles, about to tackle me. And I thought, well, maybe this must be a demon. This is not normal behaviour. So I just said, Come out of her. I had no clue what I was talking about. She lay in there, exhaled all the air out of lungs, and she lay on the floor like a dead person. I thought, what have I done? <laughs> she got up off the floor, went back to her seat, and never saw her again. Now, I'm telling this for a reason. Just stay with me for a minute. 
At the, what I didn't know was that there was a, in, the, in the meeting was a, the Anglican vicar of the local Aratown Presbyterian Church who had been looking after the, no, it was a Church of England, I can't remember, I think it was Church of England. He had been in charge of the cathedral in Singapore, that's right, at Church of England, I think. He had retired to, to Queenstown and he was looking after this little church. His people had gone to my pastor's meeting before me and and found answers to questions that they weren't getting answered somewhere else. He, they went back to ask him. He couldn't answer. So he came over and joined the church. He resigned from looking after. And was sitting in this church. Now, I'm the bushy boy. No tell to fall trees. That's about all I could do. And uh, he comes up to me and says to me, Fergus, there's no doubt in my mind that God's called you to pastor this church. <laughs> and... And thank God that he was there because I said to Judy, I said, I, don't want, I hope no one dies until I find out how to bury them. <laughs> I was there two weeks and someone died. <laughs> so between the help of the Anglican vicar and uh, finding a little book, we managed to put these people under the ground, put them under the ground. I mean, I, I'm not sure it's a good or a bad, but that, that's all new. I'm, I'm saying this because I'm telling you this, whether, whether you're called like I'm called, but you're called just as much as I'm called. And the power of God wants to rest on you today, and he wants you to have power and authority. He wants you to have it because of the job. you're sitting on the edge of the greatest move of God you're ever going to see, and you're part of it. I'm talking real stuff here. The power of God wants to come in here and fill your life with sense of purpose and destiny. There's a move of God on it. I can go and tell stories. I just, 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 with the, just because the power of God comes on you. I remember I, I had a, I had a healing, I, I had a healing line in, in back in my home church back in Queenstown. And this woman came forward for healing. I prayed for her. She got healed. And then I, and then I said, okay, well, you pray for her. So I got her to pray for another woman. And she got healed. And then at the end of the service, I had a, an altar call for salvation. Guess who came forward to give her heart to the Lord? The woman that I pulled out of the... Said, after I, I prayed for a woman who wasn't saved, she got saved, and then I used her to get someone healed, and she wasn't even saved. But the power of God got on her. <laughs> Who can hear me? She wasn't even saved. I remember another, Judy reminded me, she's got a book of, of stories of things that happened. Another guy, I said, what, what would you like God to do for you? What would you like God to be to you? He said, I'd like God to be my friend. So it's okay. So I said, Shh. he wasn't a believer. I didn't know that at the time. But I said, okay, shut your eyes and, ask, and just ask God to be your friend. As he's standing there with his eyes shut, next thing he falls to the floor. The power of God came on him. He stood up. <laughs> I said, well, how's that? He said, well, he said, I've been in a boxing room. I've been in a boxing room at time, and I've taken a few punches, but never anything like this. And he met God. The power of God. 
Today I know this God's here. He wants to clothe you with his power and authority. Because you've got a job to do. Can you hear me? Smile at me, please. This is good news. He, he wants to clothe you. You know what? Gideon was a nobody. But the Bible says he clothed them with his power. He, he said, I'm the least of my father's house. My father's house is the least in all Israel. But God clothed him and he led Israel in total victory. Japheth was a, the son of a harlot. His half-brothers threw him out of the house. But the Bible says God clothed him. And if I remember rightly, he led Israel, he was one of the judges of Israel, and God used him to bring 40 years of peace to Israel. Samson, we know the end result of Samson. He got it all wrong in the finish. But the fact was that God clothed him with the power of God. And he did some damage to the enemy, I'll tell you that. I was just recently uh, preaching at uh, a Raymond church in Brisbane and on the way home we called in some friends on the Gold Coast and their young daughter was the uh, school, school captain and she wanted me to pray for her. A wonderful young lady. I prayed for her and the power of God just it was, it was so noticeable just, just the amount of influence of the power of God I felt leave, my, leave me and go into her and she crash landed on the floor and lay there forever and when she, when she finally got up and, and I could tell there was something on her I said, there was something about God there's something, something on this girl she went to school next day and this, because she was a school captain she had to share something at the, at the chapel service with this Christian school 100 the power of God fell. 100 kids fell on the floor crying like babies. And kids started giving their hearts to Jesus. The power of God fell. This, some, I was in a meeting. We're just sharing <laughs> with our friend. You're awesome. We love you, girl. I'll tell you what. Ah, look after her. I'll belt you all up. You look after mum. Give her more money. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. When I've lost my anointing, I'm saying something. Else. What was I going to say? Oh. What was I? Where was I? What was the last statement I made? <laughs> oh, the, the, the children in the... Yeah, but I was going... <laughs> must have been a good story, mustn't it? I'm going to get that back. It'll come back to me. I was going somewhere. That's what happened when you tried to have fun being serious. I've lost my thought. I am, but I am trying, what I am trying to say here today is that, is that there's a, there's, the power of God is present. And I love the fact that you're loyal to and faithful to your house and to, to the church. I, I just love the way that you started just your services. Just, I love your worship services. But there's more than just sitting in a church listening to a message. Mm -hmm. 
Please hear me. There's significance in your life. So listen to this. Christ came into your life. God is in you. Would you smile at me and say, God's in me. The Holy Spirit's in you. It's in you. And to this, we're living in a world that's taking, taking everything it's got to keep you deceived and keep you looking at the wrong emphasis. It's distracting you. Just think about it. You good-looking young fella. God's in you. God's in you. I can go home now. You got it. God's in you. God's been, God was in me. Well, I gave my heart to Jesus at 19 years old. Who felt the, the peace... The love, the joy, when that happened. Man, I, I didn't know what on earth could have happened, but I, I got up off the... No, I, no, I didn't go. But I remember all the weight lifted off me, and I felt that love, and I, and I think, I was, if I remember right, I was crying, just with the different sense. That was God in me. God's in you. Christ. The hope of glory is inside of you. The manifest of God's presence wants out of you. There can only be one hindrance that you're not sure that he's in there like he says he's in you like that. I remember being in, in America somewhere in a when I first started praying for people, God gave me a vision, and it's part important you hear this because I'm sure I've said it before, but I'll say it again. When God asked me to leave my church and go on the road, He gave me a vision. I saw lay people carrying the power of God. I saw them carrying the power of God. And the Spirit of God, at the end of the vision, he told me I was to run to the nations and empower people. He explained, he gave me a picture of the lay people moving around the world. And when I got to this church, I, I had a word of knowledge about this young Afro-American boy. Uh, he'd hurt his knee playing basketball, and I called him out and went to pray, and the Spirit of God said, I didn't tell you to do it. I told you to empower people to do it. So I got a hold of a little five-year-old boy. I thought, okay. So I found a five-year-old boy and I prayed for him. The power of God came on him and he started to, his legs started to give away. I got two kids alongside the, and, I carried, and I carried him over this long, tall, skinny Afro-American boy and I got him to put his hand on, his, on the guy's chest. And I said, say this after me. What I've received... I can give away. If I haven't got it, I can't give it. But I said, then, then I said, say, I've got it. He sees he all that. And then I said, now blow on him. So this little kid went, Phew. well, I had no idea what was going to happen. I mean, this was, I was out on a limb. 
Next thing, this 15-year-old boy in front of 300 of his mates got thrown down three rows of chairs down the aisle and crash-landed on his back. I didn't touch him. They couldn't blame me. It was a five-year-old kid that did it. 20 minutes, 20 minutes later, he got up off the floor, dancing, carrying on. Like I was prophesying over 300 kids in a school. You know, 15-year-old boys want to be cool in front of their peers. They don't want to be doing But this guy was dancing, carrying on. What happened? The power of God got on him. And he used that authority and power to change his friend. Come on, we're somebody, please. You are significant. You're a meaningful person. And so I've seen kids get their puppies healed because I've told them about the power of God. I know why I got this job, not because I'm the most qualified in the world, but I'm happy to believe that God's with me. There's a hundred things I could say here today, but I want to keep it so simple that you'll catch it. You don't learn Christianity. You catch it. Of course we need boundary, we need theology. But it's the power of God on the inside that carries you there. And the most beautiful thing you've got going for you is nothing. You've got humility that says, I can't do this. You don't have the capacity inside yourself. Inside of you. But Christ is in you. Maybe we spend all day just walking around saying, Christ send me. God's in me. I did for 15 years. God's in me. God's with me. When I turned up, something would happen. There was nothing going for me. My head was an argument, just a constant argument. But you guess what happened? The things I was saying began to take over the way I was thinking. And now I'm at the closing down years of my life in terms of, of what I can do. The greatest thing I can ever do is for you just to learn to be yourself, but to accept the Christ inside of you. That's all you need. In your simplicity of humility and dependency, God begins to move. Am I helping somebody? Please. Please, please. Judy's mother was 84 years old, I think, and she had the biggest house church, we call them those days. All the young girls wanted to be in her class because of what was on her. And she was awesome. Once she understood that I was the boss and she wasn't. Well, she lived with me for 25 years. When she came in, I thought she was the boss, but I was paying the bills. I got that right and we got on great. I'm trying to, come on church, to believe there's something very special about you guys. Something very about, about, the, about the, the character of the church and the nature and the worship. 
My God. Paul, come here, buddy. I like you. Have I, have I met you before? Oh, mate, you, you must have just grown a few... You must have grown a few inches. Inches. <laughs> oh, God. He doesn't need words. He just needs the presence of God on him. We don't need a lot of words. We just need the presence of God on us. Visit him, Lord. What's on me? I want him. Father, put it on him. Visit Thank you, Lord. Visit this house. Visit this house. Thank you, Lord. I like this. Come, just, just, you two, come on, come on. God. You know what? I, there's something very simplistic and beautiful about your hearts. And to me, people want what's on you. There's, a, there's a, an acceptance that you give people. You, you, you let yourself into their hearts. People love you for, there's, a, there's even a sense of nonsense in you. Fun nonsense, I mean. I see a kind of where you feel safe. You come out of yourself and, you, and you're just uniquely free. And I'm telling you, there's a whole lot of people that, let me hold your hands because there's something about you both that, that you have a power to draw people. You make people feel safe. Father, today, you visit them. You visit them. You visit her. God's going to use you and you're going to believe God that he is going to use you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Ah. Come here, both of you. I'm going, to, I'm going to get back to preach. Come both of you come up again. God. <laughs> I feel like down myself, actually. There's, there's a, a wonderful scripture, and I'm sure I would have quoted it. I, I've traveled with it for years because it's, it's my scripture that God uses me. Isaiah 9, 7. Of the increase of his government, there is no end. The governmental anointing of God has come to sitting on your shoulders. It's the government of God sitting on your shoulders. And its purpose, Isaiah 9, 7 says, for justice for the people and judgment on the devil. In other words, that anointing brings justice, but it also brings judgment. That anointing will actually reflect itself in correction and bringing, bringing adjustment in people's lives that need correction. But that governmental anointing is of the increase. It's, it's, it has no silliness, it has no limitation with it. And it's coming on you for a season of harvest. 
by God, I see God using that anointing to bring drawing power to the house of God. And, you know, is that, that, that God's read that servant heart that you've got on the inside, but God's also putting another anointing around it. And, if, and you're going to see things that you've never seen before and understand things you've never understood before. Visit him. God, I place it on her. Visit her. Father. It's a governmental anointing. It's a, it's a, there's an anointing of declaration. I see you saying things. And so much you make the statement and you stop. And that statement has a, an anointing on it that penetrates the hearts of those that hear it. And the trust is more in the hearts being received what's been said than it is in the information of what you're saying. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father. Oh, God. Who? Father. It's the increase of anointing in the house. It's the increase of anointing in the house. I can see seasons where nothing's said, but the anointing's doing it. I see you standing behind the pulpit, just standing, and the cloud of his presence fills the house. You can expect it to happen. You can expect change. In fact, I was just in a service where we, five hours one service and seven hours the next one. And I, and I know how some people think seven hours sitting in church. I'm telling you, I didn't want to leave. It was all happening. None of it was orchestrated. Young, two young ladies, probably in their 20s, got up and began to preach one after the other. Filled the house with the presence. They weren't preachers. They were kids in youth group. Testimonies. Some Fijian guy was, was out at sea for four days, lost. In, the, in that big turmoil they had over there with the weather. They found him finally four days later out, out in the middle of the sea somewhere. He didn't want to come back without his boat. They said, you can't. Well, you're more important than a boat. The boat found that the boat came home supernaturally. I'm telling you, we're living on the edge of a, of a, of a, of a new wave of God's presence. Say his presence. Could you have more attitude? Say his presence. What I need is his presence. Oh, come here, sir. 
Have I met you before? You must be, you better look any other way you were back then. <laughs> oh, God. You need to understand, man, your, the anointing on your voice unlocks the prisons of people's hearts. When you sing, you unlock the prison doors of people's hearts. You liberate them. Don't stop singing wherever you are. Spirit of God, liberate. And I can tell you, I see God coming and giving you a real sense of what your purpose in life really is. This open the depths of his own heart, Lord. Oh, God. There's someone here today and... and um, this, this almost like a, some stronghold around your mind, and it's like you just can't leave. It's like the past just won't. It just keeps bringing up the past to you. Who's that person? There's someone here, and, you, and you find yourself getting locked. The past comes up and keeps smashing away at you and distracting you. There's, there's a stronghold, and I feel God wants. If that's you, come up here the front. I, God wants to break that off you. Who's that person? You know, there's, there's something that comes up and keeps distracting you from uh, and, and separating you. God. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just want you to just, just see Jesus right now. strongholds that, that are doing and God wants you to understand when they come up you're going to say this is not me it's the enemy trying to take you back to places and you got you yourself are going to say Jesus this is not me this is the enemy say that right now Jesus yeah that's right it's not you yeah it's not your thoughts you don't think like that. You love Jesus with all your heart, don't you? I yes. know that. You love Jesus. Yes. And so the enemy comes and gives you thoughts to tell you that you're, that you're trapped by that. No, you're not. Say, Jesus, I'm not trapped anymore. Jesus, I'm not trapped anymore. I understand it's the enemy of my soul. It's the enemy of my soul. You have set me free. You have set me free. You love me. You love me. I receive your love right now. You just you let them love you right now. And say, so I reject every thought, reject every thought that, exalts that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Knowledge of God. I accept the knowledge of God as truth. Lucifer! My God. Hello, little lady. Thank you, Father. I want you to know that Jesus is on the inside of you. And the thoughts that you're having are not coming from you. They're coming from the enemy. And he wants you to understand today that those thoughts are not your thoughts. You get the blame for them. But see, it's what they call a strong hand. That's where the stronghold outside your mind that 
that, that it's like demons trying to bring your past back to you. And you're going to say, you say this, Jesus, I accept your thoughts that, that love me, that have forgiven me and forgiven others. And today I take my freedom in Jesus' name. I'm no longer going to own those thoughts. Say that I'm no, no, I'm no longer going to hold those thoughts of the past. Yeah, that's right. I'm going to turn. I'm going to sit. I can sit on that seat. You take a seat. My God, Father, today I thank you. Right now, this this woman no longer holds those thoughts responsible. Father, she's free. She's free. Oh, God. Free to be the daughter of the living God. Free to be the daughter of the living God. Total peace. Total peace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Oh, God. I, I know you definitely this is your day. I know that. It is my day. Yeah, this is your day. You're not going to hold yourself responsible anymore. Jesus set you free. And there's like demons that know your past and they're trying to hold you accountable for that. And you're not going to be accountable to those anymore. Say, I'm not accountable, I'm not accountable. to those sorts. I'm accountable to Jesus' love. Yeah, and he loves me. And he forgives me. And he cleanses me. Much better thoughts, eh? That's where you're going to go. And, you, and you're going to tell the lie. You say, that's lies. That's not me. Yeah. My God, I'm telling you, you're going to get set free. Looser! Church, there's something happening. This house is getting set up. Oh, God, how are you, buddy? I'm glad you're here. Making sense what you heard me talking about? Jesus, look, you gave your heart to Jesus, eh? Yeah. You're not going to hold yourself accountable when Jesus forgave you. God, forgiven those that have hurt you. It's forgiveness and love all around. It's mercy and love all around. You're, how did you get on? You used to get on with your father. You had a good relationship with your dad? Yeah, that's good. Because I want to, you, you, got, you, got, you got a good relationship with your heavenly father. And so, and he's he loving you. He's here to set you up, mate, for, and those thoughts that come that are contrary to, you know what, what, you know how God wants you to think. You're not going to hold yourself accountable to those thoughts. They're the devil trying to condemn and wipe you out so you don't get to know your father like he really loves you. Your daddy really loves you, man, I'm telling you. I don't even know you, but I like you. I love you because I know what I feel loved. My God, just just shut your eyes. Let God, let the presence of God do us all good. Just let the presence of God love us in this moment. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Yeah, tell you, you tell you just you just letting your your heavenly Father come to love on you, buddy. Coming to love on you, man. 
He loves you today. He's not condemning you. You've been listening to condemning stuff. It's making your head go all weird. No, today, this is the love of God coming for you. Oh, my God. So I renounce all the thoughts of the enemy. I'm giving him no more, no more opportunity. I'm going to turn towards my heart. I'm going to turn my heart towards my daddy and not listen to the lies of Satan. Friends of God's Lord, like his Father. I thank you for the cleansing blood of Jesus and the Spirit of God overcoming his life. Visit him. Oh, man, look at himself. Oh. <laughs> he was meant to get not, not me. <laughs> oh, church, if I were you, I'd be pulling on this anointing. It's in the atmosphere. Come here, baby. Come here. You ready? Visit her. Yeah, the Prince of God's here. Let's just, Daddy, just come to love on you. Come to love on us. Whoa! Ha, ha, ha. Take it. You can take it. You might not think this is church, but it is. I can honestly say, in this kind of atmosphere, it's safe. Your head might not say it's safe. Your head might say, what's going on? But I can tell you right now, the presence of God wants to have church. And his presence is to be the foremost. That's what you need more than anything else. Just the presence. So I'm picking on him. He's, already, he's short one in. I'm bigger than him, so he can't argue with me. No, I'm not kidding. I'm joking. Are you ready? This is big. This is real big. <laughs> this is big. <laughs> chuckle, chuckle. Visit him. Visit her. Just visit her. Oh, God. Gordy. You know, I love this guy. He's been here since Adam was a cowboy. You're that old. My servant. Ha ha. <laughs> Look at him. I'm going to, I'm going to stand up. <laughs> Look at him. I love it. Doesn't stop God. Father, you just love him. Just love on him. That didn't stop him, did it? Why, well, just, well, just everyone in the room, just put your hands out like that. I'll tell you what, everyone stand up for a minute. I'm getting you ready for something. 
I love this church. I've traveled the world for 25 years, and I've been in churches, 5,000 members. But this, I was going to come here because I know the atmosphere that has been birthed in. I know what this little lady put into the worship. I know your heart of the leaders. Just got to love towards God. Look at her, still here. I didn't know you could sing like that. You can sing, kid. I love you singing. Now we're going to do something that sounds weird, but it's not. I had a guy come into my... Into my no, I've got to tell you one more story. I'm on my way to... Uh, no. I started off. Don't you tell me what to do. You just, <laughs> your job is to love me. God said, I want you to mentor two men. On the way to church one morning. That morning, two guys came up to me, independent of each other, and said, would you mentor me? I did, they didn't know each, uh, of, uh, that they both had the same. One guy turned and said, yeah, come and see. So he walks through my, through my door, and as he comes towards me, I said, this guy is carrying the weight of the world on, in his mind, in his head. So I just said, very spontaneously, put your arms out in front of you. Everyone put your arms out in front of you. I want you to put all your responsibilities in your arms right now. We're about to hand them to Jesus. Whether sickness, finances, children. Jesus said, my burden is light. My yoke is easy. Put everything in your arms. You're handing all responsibilities over to him. Sicknesses, diseases, problems, everything. I'm going to go three, two, one, zero, and when you get to zero, I want you to drop your arms. It means that you're going to hand, in that dropping arms, you're letting it all go. You're going to let everything go. Three, Two, one, zero, drop it. He's got it all. You haven't gotten it. Turn around and face the back wall. Everybody, turn around and face the back wall. Where are your problems? Behind you? Leave them there. You're not going to pick them up again. Now turn around and face me again. Now, just imagine you're taking... Ten steps, you can't, some of you can't do it because the chair's in front of you. But just imagine you're taking ten steps forward. And the, can I use the word crap? It's behind you. Don't ever pick it up again. I said, don't ever pick it up again. No. No. Right now. I release peace. I release love. Father, I thank you for visiting. Visit. 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 Take your seat. Now you've got space for the Holy Spirit. Just shut your eyes. Holy Spirit, visit. 
Visit this house. Visit this house. Visit this house. Visit this woman. You visit her. That's right, little lady. You're not going back to that. The peace of God. The peace, the peace, the peace, the peace, the peace. That's the peace, the peace, the peace. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Visit her, visit her, visit her, visit her. Visit the house. Visit the house. God, visit the house. This is the first day of a brand new life. Let me pray for you both. Come, let me pray with you. Come, let me pray with you both. Come on, let me pray. Come, let me pray. Come on, let me pray with you. Thank you, Lord. Father, you visit. Father, it's your presence. It's your, just visit her, visit her, visit her. Visit him. Father, visit them. Visit them. Visit him. I'm sorry, let me pray with you. Father, visit him. Visit him. Visit the house. Visit the house. There is no substitute for the presence of God. It's probably time to go home, is it? I haven't tried to preach yet, but that's all right. I wanted to preach about power and authority. But I'm going to leave you three keys, and then we'll hand it back. I can remember these. There's three kinds of church. There's three kinds of anointings that you need to nurture. I said there's three kinds of anointing. Come on, sweet, the power of God's all over you. Now you, you really need to hear. God's taking you somewhere. He's bringing you out of the past and into the future. Consider the past too small, too restricted, too limited. I'm telling you, God's breaking chains off you. Loose her completely. It doesn't take words. It takes the presence of God. But there's three kinds of anointings that you need to nurture. Number one, John 14. When, when Jesus came into you, the anointing that abides came into you. In other words, it doesn't matter wherever, whatever, whoever, that anointing is never going to shift. It's never going to go away. It's always there for you to lean on. The anointing that remains, the anointing that abides, when Christ came into you, Christ the anointed one, is in your heart. You got a body, you got a soul, you got a spirit. Christ came into your spirit. You nurture that. You remind yourself that he's in your spirit. 
He will never leave you or forsake you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Don't let any lie in your head tell you that he won't have you back. He's always with you. What did I just say? He's always nurture that. Nurture it. Spend time meditating on that. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's in you for eternity. Your spirit is eternal. Then in Acts 2, when they're all waiting together, the Spirit of God came on them. The anointing for service. You're anointed to serve. That anointing needs nurtured. You need to develop that anointing on your life to serve people. You serve out of anointing. You don't just serve out of your skill or your gift. Well, yeah, the Spirit is a gift. Sorry, I'll rephrase that. You serve out of the gift that you've nurtured. That anointing gives you gifts to work with. The word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the word of understanding. Revelation knowledge. That's all part of that serving anointing. You nurture it. And you develop an anointing around your life. In everyday part of your life, there's this anointing to serve. And the third one, Isaiah 9 says, of the increase of his government. That's the governmental anointing that came on that Isaiah prophesied over four, 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 four or five hundred years before Christ ever came. But that's what Jesus gave us when he died on the cross, when he took your sins and your sicknesses on the cross. The governmental anointing raised him above all other powers. That's where I was going to today, but I haven't got there very far. That same government anointing that raised Christ from the dead, seated him in heavenly places, above all principalities and powers. That same government anointing comes on you and I. Jesus got it back for us. So you have power and you have authority. Say, I've got power and I've got authority. Would you say it with a smile, please? I've got power and authority in Christ. <laughs> You're laughing at me. Come on, truth, we're not nobodies. But you've got to nurture that. And what's so important, church, that what I really felt when I came in this morning was the whole world that you're living in is designed to separate you from that, those three anointings. It wants to capture your mind and keep you away from those things until you believe what they're believing, like the rest are believing. Come on. 
This world is doomed. But your world is not doomed. It's eternal. If you want to live according to the patterns of this world, go ahead. It's your choice. There's two voices in your head this morning. The voice of God or the, this world's voice. And you, you can, I find most Christians playing with both voices. But we just sell out to the voice of God. Come on. And his anointing is the empowerment to do this. You can't do it through the natural mind. I said you can't do it thinking like a natural person. You have to come in a consciousness of the anointing of God. The first thing I do in the morning is locate where I'm at because I don't know what you're like in the morning. But first thing in the morning, I'm finding my mind wakes up and all kinds of stuff can be in it. If I don't take a hold of my mind first thing in the morning, then this world's going to take it. You've got revival coming to your house. Your revival coming to, this, to your nation, to your region. I don't care what's going on in the churches. I'm talking about the move of God in your nation, in, your earth, in the earth. You have a choice to, as a church to say, I'm going to get anointed for this hour. Because human ability not going to do it. Come on. Next time I, I, I want to have more than one meeting. Would you let me? I'll be promised to be good. I'll try and be good. <laughs> Love you, church. Have I helped you? Will you shut your eyes for a minute? Father, you told me in 95. I can remember it to this day. 10 o'clock on a Tuesday morning. You visited me and you told me to run to the nations and empower people. I'm doing my bit, Lord. I'm asking you right now to take what I've said today and let your presence cover your people. Cover you. Cover your people. Cover your people. Cover your people. Clothe them. Clothe them. Clothe them. Clothe.